You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 41. The New York Rangers have a little Jackal and Hyde moment. From Vancouver to St. Louis, man, oh man, it was a doozy, and the roller coaster ride kind of continues. Uh, but uh, me and Andy are back to break it all down for you. So I gotta ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm tired, but uh, happy that you know I didn't expect. I was expecting the Rangers to kind of have a mini slump here, with the writing was on the wall, especially dropping, um, you know, dropping to of their last three games and then going into the game last night against St. Louis. I just, you know, they're really, that was a tough test for them, Butch coming back. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I half expected the wheels to fall off and it, like you had mentioned, it almost did, but uh, yet another resilient win from the number one comeback team in the NHL. Although I actually, uh, I think they're tied with the blue jackets for most comeback wins, but, yeah, say what you want about this Rangers team, but they are nothing if not resilient. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been the you know name of the game all season long. I mean, the Rangers constantly come back from behind. Um, you know, you just feel like there's a constant effort. Uh, that's the most consistent part of their game is certainly effort. Um, there are times where they can't put it all together. Very rarely did you say that the New York Rangers didn't show up to play hockey that game, that particular game. But, you know, overall, you got to be proud of this team and what they've been able to accomplish. And, you know, I, I know there are so many factors that we've discussed constantly all season long that kind of, you know, brings this team together. And, you know, whether it's the new coaching system, it's the new coach in general. I thought um, he had a really good game managing uh, the bench, especially in the third period with the New York Rangers. And, you know, just, uh, you know, their their star players stepping up in big moments and getting the job done and being able to score timely goals, it all, you know, factors in and it helps. And when you can do just a little bit of those things consistently over the course of the season, you get rewarded for it. And the New York Rangers, without a doubt, are a team that have some growing pains. And we can, you know, discuss that like we've done so many times before. But, you know, it's getting down to the last couple of weeks before the trade deadline, it all 
comes down to whether or not, you know, management really thinks that they have a shot. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that, Andy. And I also think, you know, I, I think if you look around the league, right, the Rangers are in a division where they are you're facing probably the most competition throughout the league, right? You have Carolina, you have Pittsburgh, you have Tampa Bay, you have Florida. Like to get out of the East is going to be incredibly tough. So you wonder what the New York Rangers organization and management are thinking over the next few weeks. And then you look out West and you kind of look at, you know, obviously you have Colorado. We just played St. Louis, but the Minnesotas, the Calgary's, LA, Vegas, Nashville, Dallas, Edmonton. What are those teams? Like, really, honestly, what are those? Like, if it's not the Colorado Avalanche coming out of the West, then then honestly, who? You know, is it Vegas after they circumvent the cap and, and, and bring Stone back for the playoffs? Possibly. But if the New York Rangers can get out of the Eastern Conference, Andy, uh, you know, th- that's the gauntlet. You know, that's that's the, you know, obviously whoever gets to the Stanley Cup final is going to be playing very good hockey. But if you get out of the East, I mean, that's an accomplishment all of its own. And if you win around, that's an accomplishment. So a lot to break down here, Andy. But first, um, you know, I want to hear your thoughts just from the transition from the Vancouver game, your your thoughts after the Vancouver game, before St. Louis, and then after the St. Louis game, if that kind of makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, so backpedaling to Vancouver, I I just knew that Vancouver was going to come out and it was the start of their road trip. The Rangers were tired coming off uh, the one nothing loss to the Penguins. It had a, a, a Rangers loss kind of written all over it. Um, and it was. But, you know, I mean, Vancouver is a team that is kind of fighting to try to make themselves in that mix, you know? So, yeah, I just, you know, and again, the Rangers just didn't have it. I don't know what else to say. But, you know, being it, I thought they the Rangers played really well in Pittsburgh. I thought that game honestly was a coin flip. It just happened to they ran into uh Jerry was great, Shesterkin was great. Uh Pittsburgh ends up converting on a power play, and that's it. That's the the story of the game. Both teams were pretty had their pushes and their ebbs and flows. I thought it was pretty pretty even for the most part and it just came to that I thought the Rangers were better to start the game, and I thought Pittsburgh was better to finish, and but the difference ended up just being both teams defended pretty well. It just came down to a power play goal. So then, obviously, coming off of that, I don't know, maybe thinking they it'll be a, things will work out better for them. They didn't have their legs, and uh, yeah, and and obviously with a rusty uh, Georgiev net, they got they pretty much got what they deserved because they just didn't skate, and you know they. I thought uh, Vancouver ran up the score pretty well, but then obviously the Rangers had a late push. wasn't enough time. It was what it was. Um, yeah. Uh, then Igor comes back. Butch is coming back to the garden. So you obviously every Rangers fan was like, well, Butch is going to have three points and they're going to lose in embarrassing fashion or he's going to have like the OT winner. And St. Louis is a good team. And you saw that last night, their ability, they're not the fastest team, but they, they're very good at hemming teams in with body, you know, uh, wall pressure and body position. They're always, that's the thing. I think they, they have great positioning and they're good at passing, but you know, I think what ultimately bit them in the end is one, uh, you know, Billy Huso, who's been very good this year, 
Um, and Shesterkin, I thought Shesterkin, despite giving up the three, uh, uh, you know, one of two of which I thought were probably stoppable goals. Um, Huso, I just thought had a bad night. You know, I don't know if he was psyched out by having Igor in the other net. His body positioning on the goals he gave up was, uh, I would say, it was pretty bad on all three goals. You know, he was a little, just not in a good spot to react to the Lafreniere. Uh, you know, to where that puck scored out in front, and then obviously he's—I don't even know what he's doing. He's swimming towards the outside of the blue paint when the puck gets back to the point. Sorry, my my dog needs to be here. She's whining in the door. That's fine. All right. Uh, anyway, Rory, have a seat. You can listen. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously with the Strom goal, uh, just can't get the pads closed in time with the pass to the side of the net, and then. Yeah, and uh, nothing you do in the power play goal, but again, credit to the Rangers, I think, despite they played, you know, I thought uh, St. Louis had the edge in the first, but then the Rangers, but at least the Rangers were defending well, keeping them the outside. The Rangers got better as the game went on. They were the better team in the second, or at least I would say for the for 17 minutes in the second, you know, they go up uh, two goals and then obviously they fall asleep the last five minutes of, of that period and uh, on three consecutive shots, St. Louis, who's a you know, a lethal team comes back. So then in my head, I'm like, well, this is it. And they're going to, St. Louis is going to score one more as the Rangers push for offense. I, I actually said to myself, Butch is going to score on a breakaway as the Rangers pushed for offense. And it almost happened. But um, yeah, they just, they, they honestly, and you, uh, you know, I'll put it to you, James. I mean, we've watched this team for the last few years. When is the, before this year, this team has not had the mental fortitude when, when they something cataclysmic happens to them or to drop their sail, to take the wind out of their sails. In years past, that was it. They just The wheels would then slowly fall off, and then it would just get worse and worse and worse. Both the team and Shesterkin, you know, their body language said it all, but they come out and they just get back to what they were doing early on, and it works out for them, and luckily they have a lethal power play. And like you had mentioned, Gallant with a wise choice, you know, his, keeping his first unit out there. It was an important power play. He uses his timeout to get, let them get a little bit more rest and draw something up and they convert. And that's the story of the game. So uh, I was definitely impressed. And yeah, you can say what you want about the Rangers. Yes, they are a team that kind of does. They have struggled. To, they struggle in their own end sometimes, but they are getting better and the underlying metrics are trending upwards. And they're resilient and they lead the league in comebacks and having Igor there. I mean, you even saw when Lind they blocked a lot of shots, which was great. Igor is trying to push Lindgren off the ice to get him to the bench. That's, you know, this guy does it all. So that, that's your heart uh, trophy case in a, in a nutshell right there. And yeah, I just, it was, it was impressive because, you know, and I think they even said it, uh, I don't know if it was in post game, if it was Truba or if it was Goudreau, if someone said it, but he's like, listen, you're not going to have it every night but it's important to i think actually it was Kreider, excuse me you know who keeps his goal streak going but you're not going to have it every night and you're also not going to have it you know there's some nights where you're not going to you know play good you know for all 60 minutes but if you have a bad 20 minutes to start there's no reason why you can't have a good finishing effort and that's what they've been doing and just keeping the game in front of them and they've been rewarded for it this year yeah and you know it's funny it's funny to get the reactions of like, you know, e either the Blues players themselves thinking that they were the better team, that they should have won, blah, 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 blah. I mean, 
especially, I don't know, with St. Louis winning the cup and having the season they did and then kind of crawling back and making the playoffs and then making a cup run and winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, they're they're the, the classic example, especially a modern example of that it's not really about how great you are in the regular season, right? It's about just finding ways to get points and finding ways to make the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, you make the adjustments. You play teams differently. You can prepare for each individual team as you, you know, as the rounds progress. And, you know, I, I think this game was a perfect example of the New York Rangers kind of saying, like, listen, this team is a very good team. They're certainly a contender in the West. It, you know, we got to kind of make adjustments. We got to play, you know, uh, a style of hockey that's a little bit different than, you know, if we were playing the the Canucks or the Devils coming up. And, you know, I, I thought they made all the right adjustments. And, you know, again, I can't, I can't, you know, say enough how important special teams are. If you win the special teams war every game, you're going to win more games than not. And the New York Rangers did that one to two, one for two on the power play. Um, you know, they went three for three for the PK. You do that. You're probably going to win that, that game, especially with Igor and Ned. And, you know, to go back and my thoughts about the Canucks game. I mean, I called it before I saw that once I saw the line, I knew the Rangers were losing. Why I didn't bet the house on Vancouver is beyond me. Uh, you know, I only blame myself on that. But, you know, they knew the Rangers were going to lose that game. And, you know, for me, that was like a write-off game. You knew they were going to lose. Emotional game against Pittsburgh. And then to bounce back like they did against St. Louis, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to sound cliche, but it just tells, tells you what kind of character they have as a, as a team. And they're not perfect. And I think they almost realize that. And, you know, it, it, there's a self-awareness and just you know, things like Gallant, as Andy, you and I were discussing today at lunch, like him talking about McKeg and how, yeah, he's not the greatest player, but he does X, Y, and Z really well. And that's kind of what we need right now. And it's like, man, they, they're, they're just self-aware of what they bring to the table. And if each player kind of buys into this, you know, individual role and what they need to bring on any given night to be any given team, and they all buy in and do their part and chip in the best they can, it's successful. You know, it's working for them. And I guess I see what Gallant is saying. And, well, I'm playing McKeg because we've been playing him and we've been winning. So it's almost like, yeah, no, touche. I totally get it. I think they're better options. But who am I to say after, you know, a start as the New York Rangers have with only, you know, 15 losses on the season, you know, it's pretty remarkable the run that they've had. So, you know, another question, Andy, is, and I kind of mentioned this last podcast without you, was, you know, how much disruption of the mojo are we going to have come trade deadline? Because, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a, a meeting, right? A sit down with Gallant and Drury kind of discussing, like, where do we want to take this team? Where do we want to go with this? Because our goaltender is having a career year. We have, you know, our all-stars are playing extremely well and carrying us to the promised land, uh, you know, constantly. Uh, we have a lot of character guys in this locker room that there's no quit. Where do we want to make the adjustments? Because I'd argue, Andy, that a lot of our role players and the ones that are not sexy 
are probably a bigger piece than most people care to admit of why we're so successful this season. So I want to hear your perspective on just what you think this conversation is, is, you know, kind of about and, you know, how much mojo are they really going to disrupt in order to, to make a run here? Well, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, what listening to the Rangers practice today and listening to Gerard Gallant talk about Kevin Rooney is now hurt. He's on IR. He's going to miss a couple of weeks or we don't know, you know, the Rangers obviously always play everything so close to the best. Um, but they, they've called up, uh, they called up Johnny Brodzinski a couple of games ago. And then now they've called up as they put him on IR, they called up, but Tim getting right. And yeah. so I think Vince or Molly or, or uh, Colin, I don't know who asked, but just said, what, what's the timetable on Rooney and how much of a loss is this for you guys? And he's like, uh, well, you know, for sure it's a, a loss for us, but listen, someone else is going to get a chance now. And that's kind of the way we, we like it. Well, he didn't say that, but he just, he's basically said, and then later on they were talking about, you know, the fact that they have Goudreau playing, he plays all over the place. And you just be, you're kind of able to intimate that Gerard Gallant is the type of coach that if he had his way, he could play just everyone everywhere. He, he would love, he would love it if his team, he could play, all right, well, uh, Crides, Mika, Revo, Panarin, Strom, Hunt, or, you know, he just wants his, he doesn't care who it is. He just wants, if you're all out there collectively pushing to do the job, then you, we get it done as a team, as a family, as whatever, right? That obviously comes with problems because he loves guys that, that just keep the game in front of them. And even though they might get hemmed in, if they can survive their shifts or just chuck the puck up the wall, and even though they're getting hammered or that their goaltenders make a few saves he doesn't care he's like you know when the puck was on their stick maybe they didn't make the best they didn't make a cute little play to break it out of the zone but i don't know they didn't turn it over they defended and then they got on their stick and then greg mckeg on his backhand just chucked it as hard as he could and luckily he didn't ice it so that's amazing (laughs) you know what i mean but but to my point is i think they've created a comfort for themselves where yes they're clearly not as deep as other teams and they're they're populated too many uh, just marginal fourth line guys. But that being said, they're, they're so comfortable in that space that I think you talk about chemistry, you know, no matter who they bring in, I don't worry so much about, cause they've had, if you think about it, they've had a lot of guys come in and out at times. They haven't really had too much of a set lineup They're on their decor. They've had a lot of guys slot in and out on the fourth line. They've tried, you know, Brodzinski's had a cup of coffee and, um, uh, you know, Gettinger was here earlier in the year and Morgan Barron. I just, and you know, they've, he's kind of switched and at times, uh, Heedle sat and Gautier sat and yeah. And just, he, you know, even Rooney sick got sat for a game a while ago and, and at the times Reeves were hurt, but I just think he's done a, one of his strengths is like he, to, to kind of get back to what I was saying is that he, Gallant has created this feeling that it doesn't matter who's where or who we have, like we're all pushing for the same thing. And sometimes there's teams where they lose one or two guys and it just feels like it's a, they just feel like a donut all of a sudden, or they just can't, they're not the same team. Whereas the Rangers have their flaws, but I guess they, 
it just, they don't seem to, it doesn't really affect the play of their other lines, if that makes sense. Where sometimes chemistry, some teams chemistry is a way bigger issue, you know? Uh, but not so much for them. They just feel like, they never feel like, even though Kako's, oh, Kako's going to miss this many weeks now. All right, whatever. Well, whatever. I'll put, I'll put Dryden Hunt there. We'll be fine. Like, you know, why, why is everyone so like, why is the sky falling? You know, and that's, I think that's a credit to, that's one of Galan's strengths is that it just doesn't, you know, I don't know. He just doesn't harp or, or make these things seem like a big deal to his group. And I think he's just good at keeping them feeling confident. And he definitely has done that as you can see. So, um, yeah, to your point, James, I think when he sits down with Drury, I, you know, I don't think Galland is ever, I think they both understand what this team probably lacks, but at the same time, I think it's maybe you could argue that this is a group that is better set up for just upgrading the plumbers you have than going after, you know, a big, big fish and then creating, you know, because obviously um, if you want, if they, you know, and and I'll say this, you know, Nemeth was harped on a lot earlier in the year, but you knew he was struggling with the after effects of COVID. And has he, he, you know, he hasn't even played, they haven't played him two crazy minutes, but he hasn't looked all that horrible. You know, he doesn't really look too out of place, but they still might upgrade in at that position just to have a healthy body there. And they'll definitely, they're obviously going to go after a forward or two. Um, but yeah, maybe it ends up being an unsexy name and our Terry Lekkinen, uh, Andrew Copper, just because at this, like, I think, at, yeah, I think it's just kind of more of this team's DNA right now is they have the, the killer power play and they have you know, Panarin and Strom who can look like dog crap, but still put up three points and Adam Fox who can pull goals out of his, you know, clutch plays out of his ass. You know what I mean? And they have the top line that's going hot right now. And now Alexi Lafreniere is finding their footed, his footing, which is good for them. And eventually Kako will come back. So, you know, I think maybe they, I don't know if they're, it, it's definitely tempting to say they have all this cap space. They should go for the, the big fish. But at the same time, it just, I think it's smarter just to kind of, you know, just trust in kind of what they have and any upgrades they make are just to the quality of, you know, pl- guys who are helping the machine hum along as opposed to just getting like a fancy hood ornament. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking about between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday, as everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 
for me, it's, and again, you, you said this today, the third line just kind of needs to be transformed, right? We need some stable bodies that can play third line minutes that can be a little bit more consistent contributing. I think we have two fourth lines that play more than a fourth line, if that makes any sense at all. It's just, you know, for me, I don't know. I feel like the Heedle experiment is kind of over. Um, I know he's playing a little bit better now, but, you know, he's 22 years old. He makes $2.3 million. It's a fair contract. I think there's a couple teams that would probably, you know, want him. If we could flip him for something and upgrade, you know, for a better third-line center. Again, Ryan Strom, another second-line center. I I wouldn't mind seeing those two players go, bring in a big-time center that, you know, you know, I don't like. I don't know, Andy. There's a lot of things that you know I, that I think in my head that I would love to see happen. I don't know what what is going to happen. Realistically, do I see Ryan Strom leaving? Probably not. Do I want to see him leave? Yes. So in that case, I would like to see Heedle involved in some package to get a bona fide, you know, two B center to play on the third line. And I want you know, I want speed on the wings, and I want that te- that line to kind of, you know. I'm trying to figure out a line that, you know, I, I, I would kind of like something similar to uh, the Nick Benino line on Pittsburgh when they had so much success in the playoffs. I know Phil Kessel was on that line, Benino, but they just had a little bit of everything. They had, you know, uh, you know, you know, guys that can move the puck, guys that can put the puck in and they had speed. And, you know, it, it, you just I kind of need a line that third line to be a little bit more solid and have an identity before we go into the playoffs. And I'm sure we'll get that because I think that's the most critical piece, especially if you think, all right, well, Kako is going to slot in on the second line with Strom and Panarin. And then you're going to have Lafreniere, obviously deservingly so playing as well as he is right now playing first line minutes. Now, you know, you got to find out what you need in the third line. And we have a lot of guys that, should be playing fourth line and put in the effort and stuff like that. But I really do think we need a bona fide third line um, to play, you know, especially with Goudreau, the way he plays, he can slot kind of anywhere if, if, if need be, but you know, Goudreau, uh, you know, I, I don't buy the Heedle hype and, you know, I don't know what Morgan Barron is going to eventually bring to the table. If you believe that he'll turn into a, a, a solid third line center, it's just, you know, I do think we need some, some, you know, bona fide NHL talent on that third line. Am I wrong here, Andy? Uh, I don't think you're wrong. I will say this. Uh, you, you were talking about chemistry. At this point, I don't, I just, if Ryan Strom is going to get moved at some point, I have, I'm now having a harder time thinking it's in season. It's one thing, you know, you know that there's going to be a, a, a emotional fallout for Panarin, his buddy, if it happens. Um, That's why they're not going to do it during the season. That, yeah, it's an, it's, a, it's an off-season move at this point, especially the way they've been going. And, and listen, Strom has his problems, as we know, but he's a well-liked guy. He's scored some opportunistic goals, as we've seen at times. And, you know, we should give him some... We should give Strom his due in that he is, he is a talented offensive player who has chemistry with the, one of the, the Rangers' best forward. Um, and... That is definitely worth something. I think it's just unfortunately other teams have more stabilizing forces than the Rangers do. So right now he's not a good fit for this team. I mean, it, listen, if Kako realizes his full play driving um, defensive potential, 
when he comes back, then maybe Strom is a guy you keep around because he keeps that line engaged and honest and and responsible. You know what I mean? But the Rangers don't clearly don't have that right now. And, you know, their their answer is to put uh, inferior offensive talent with them that just doesn't gel and you know, they just can't doesn't play on the same wavelength as those two. So but yeah, I mean but no, but back to your original point, James, it's yeah, I just think that this uh coming into the trade deadline this team is I think there is a self awareness that you alluded to earlier. And you have to well, and I, I hope that Chris Drury is thinking to himself that if I'm going to be spending assets, is it something that this team actually needs? You would hope he would be thinking that. I have no way of knowing. But um, yeah, because obviously there's a lot of names out there, but people kind of forget like a guy like Mark Shifley is a sexy name maybe. Who knows if he's available? I, I've heard he is, but uh, not the best defensive player. In fact, Jay Fresh today just put up something up saying like which uh, uh, you know forwards that that uh you know ice time for forwards relative to their defensive impact and mark shifley was legitimately one of the worst defensive players in the nhl he's a definitely has he has excellent offensive micro stats and is an offensive play driver but he doesn't play a lick of defense so you better know that i hope you're investing your analytics department when they're telling you that you know so uh but like, yeah, where's so a guy I, like Shifley going to play? Like, if we're going to bring in third-line guys, I want guys that, you know, like, I don't need them to score a ton of goals. And, and when I used that Benino line, it was talking – it was more about, like, that line was – there was an identity to that line. Like, yeah. the Rangers well, need Benino, to kind of replicate – Yeah, Benino would be a great ad for, for a group like this, I think, this type of team, like you said. I just um, – I think, to your point about identity, you're right. That's definitely – I think it's more in line with the way the Rangers are geared this year. There are some teams that are, and I mean, right now coming out of Toronto loses to the Sabres last night. And now once again, there's a summit about the Maple Leafs being that, you know, their Buffalo's a bad team. We should have beat them kind of getting back to what you said earlier. And now it's like this team doesn't have an identity or heart or why is it that they can't dig in or they only if it's either they're either offensively firing on all cylinders, but the second another team punches them in the mouth or pushes back, they can't, they, they just, they struggle. So to your point, yes, you're right. I think you definitely need someone on that line. Uh, you'd imagine that someone on that line who maybe is a little bit more stout, but has at least enough, whether it's the second line or on the third line can just help because yes, maybe uh, Barkley Goudreau isn't the most offensively gifted guy, but when he's out there on the ice, there is a little bit of a a mood change, and a, you know you can feel a little bit of an energy change. So, and right now, Heedle unfortunately is a little, and Gauthier for that matter, they're, they're too inconsistent. And so, yeah, there needs to be some consistency there. It doesn't have to be better than their best or their flashes, but if you can have just more of a consistent pulse when that line is out there. I think this team is better better off to your point James. Yeah, you want to you want to you want a line that is that you could consistently throw out there and, you know, be not just a threat but more of an annoyance. Like I honestly think if like if Drury went out and said, "You know what? We're going to get the three fastest guys and our de- identity is just going to be we're going to be fucking bullets running around the ice, kind of crazy. We're going to win every you know, race to every loose puck, especially down low. 
And, you know, they're just going to be buzzing around the offensive zone. Uh, they're going to have speed through the neutral zone if they need to break out. They'll have simple breakouts where, you know, the defensemen know that they can pretty much just go high off the glass and those guys are going to fly and, and the, they're going to there's going to be instant pressure on that puck no matter who gathers it in the neutral zone. Like if you went down that road, fine, that's perfectly fine. Just create disruption. They're there out. They, they can play 15 minutes a game if need be. You know, they can, you know, disrupt anything in the neutral zone. They're, they're uh, you know, they're basically break even. That's fine. If that's where you want to go, that's what we want to go. My problem is that, like, with with Heedle and, you know, you know, Gauthier, you know, I know he's got speed, and but they never accomplish anything, and they're too inconsistent. I mean, there's games where they just have bad games, and there's, you know, turnovers that, you know, really, you know, we can't afford to have turnovers by our third line. We can't afford to give up goals from our third line. they got to be damn near perfect and just play – you know, just play with an identity. I think that goes that goes a long way in this league, and I think it'll go a long way in the playoffs, Andy. Um, you know, another question that I had for you is, you know, looking at the playoffs, and you know, obviously, you know, it, it's different with the playoffs, right? You know, the coaching style changes, and are the, are the Rangers going to be a team where on any given night they can beat anybody, but once it gets into a series, are they going to be easier to play against right like easier to shut down you know do you see them being almost like well the new york rangers were good during the regular season because no one actually prepared individually for them because they're moving on the next game so they'll try their best uh you know this seems a little bit annoying but you know if we if we throw out this particular lineup and and play a little bit of a trap and just kind of clog the neutral zone and, and feed off their turnovers and eventually wear down Igor and their defensemen enough to, you know, get scoring opportunities. Do you see that being a problem come playoffs? Because realistically, Andy, they're going to end up playing Pittsburgh, um, you know, unless Washington turns, you know, the tides a little bit. But, um, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, you know, very good coached, you know, with Sullivan, and they have a very good team when healthy. They're a team that can cause a lot of problems, you know, my only concern right now is that the Rangers can turn into a pumpkin come playoff time because, well, they're just easy to plan against when you have to play them in a seven-game series. You know, I I would like to think that the fact that at very we've we keep uh, talking about self awareness and that the fact that the Rangers have harped on different things this year early on they weren't just clearly weren't good enough defensively. And they worked on it, and you saw that there were some improvements. They're still not perfect, but uh, they worked on not generating enough five-on-five offense. And then you saw it kind of come out in the next few games. But obviously, their personnel problems means that sometimes when they push for one, it kind of hinders them in the uh, in the other sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it just yeah. kind of puts them. It's like they're they're doing better to push for five for five offense. Well, it leaves them open defensively a little bit more, or they're they're making a more concerted effort to discern, which is great. But then they're not generating a lot of five on five offense in, in the zone. But they they seem to be kind of finding a nice balance in the last few game segment here. There, I spoke to an uptick in their analytics. Um, but yeah, I I would hope like I, like I said, I would hope that this team is self aware enough to know, look, these are our weaknesses and these are the things how we can teams might exploit us and, or at least 
hopefully Gallant can make the adjustments. I mean, and yeah, I mean, they I, adjustments haven't really been too big of a problem for Gallant this year, as in some years past. I mean, how many games you and I remember just how many Vino and, and David Quinn games were like, why are they just keep doing the same thing over and over? Right. You know, they would maybe make adjustments and push and either they ran out of runway, you know, in some of their losing efforts this year, but, or they just weren't, the effort wasn't there the whole time or they had a bad breakdown. But I, yeah, it's hard for me to say it was because they just kept, you know, I don't know, just few, it's not like they couldn't generate anything. It's just, it was never enough of, of what they needed. So yeah, hopefully that means is a good sign that in the playoffs, they can at the very least, um, if there's a game plan against them that they can say, we did too much of this and let's stop it now. Cause to, to date, it seems like they've been a pretty okay about diagnosing problems they had in a period and then coming out with a different, better effort, you know? Right. Um, big game against the devils coming up, obviously, uh, looking at the schedule, Andy, they got the devils and then, you know, they go on the road for four games against the jets, the wild, the blues again, and Dallas. That's a tough week. Uh, and it doesn't get much easier the rest of the month. Uh, you know, with the Rangers game against the Devils, obviously, to me, it's a must win. Uh, you might see Georgie in net uh, just because, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to play Igor again. They might. Who knows? Uh, you know, your thoughts about just like the upcoming schedule and with Georgie being talked about a lot in the, you know, in the headlines about a possible piece to be moved. Um, cause everybody needs, you know, a goaltender. What, how much playing time do you think Georgie gets up until the trade deadline? I mean, obviously it's important for the Rangers to win hockey games here, but you also kind of want to showcase them a little bit. And, you know, if, if you're real serious about trading him. Yeah. I mean, I think be, on the one hand, I, I think we know the devils aren't making the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see if Georgiev does play tomorrow. Um, but it is a div- divisional game, I guess. So I don't know if, if, if Blonde has like a catch-all rule. It's like, hey, it's a, it's a rival of ours, so why give them momentum? Um, and then, you know, looking at just the scheduling, the Rangers play tomorrow. They play on, they have a day off, and they play Sunday. They have a day off, they play Tuesday. They have a day off, they play Thursday. Day off, they play Saturday. So, you know, they get, they get days off in between um, for at least, it's kind of on and off again every every other day. So yeah, we're definitely going to see, um, Georgiev. I do wonder since they're at home tomorrow, maybe we do see Georgiev tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but again, it's, I, I haven't been able to honestly pick him with Gallant this year. He just, sometimes I think, well, he's clearly going to play Georgiev to give Igor some rest and he plays Igor. And I'm like, well, Igor's had plenty of rest. And he's like, nope, we're playing Georgiev. So it's hard to note. And like you said, Georgiev has to get his groove back. So if you think by nature of wanting to give him a quote unquote easier games, but then again, I mean, the Devils have been, they've, you want to talk Jekyll and Hyde, they're a young team that can score in noodles, but then can also <laughs> collapse and give up, you know, they can score five or six goals, but then give up seven, you know? So. But they get Dougie Hamilton back, and Jack Hughes has found another gear right now. So, yeah, that's a test for them. So, I, I honestly, James, I have no idea. I do know that y- you're probably right. Georgiev will factor into these games, but I'm looking at the schedule. I cannot tell you which ones. I'm dead serious. I can't. You know, maybe Igor plays against the Wild 
and then when they face St. Louis, I could I can honestly see Georgiev uh, playing the Blues this time. You know, yeah, so. I, no, I absolutely agree with you. It's just uh, you know, a part of me also doesn't think Georgie's going to get moved. I know there's hype around it, and certainly something that we have to pay attention to. I just don't see it happening. I think we we discussed this prior a few months ago that if he is going to get moved this year, it'll be during the off season. I just think, you know, a piece like Georgie, you know, with the schedule coming up, it's almost like too valuable, right? Heaven forbid something happened to Igor. Who really are we going to get as a backup? And and not to say that, you know, the Rangers haven't had great goaltending step up in big times, but I don't know if I'm really going to roll the dice with any other goaltender except for Georgie, who's had step up prior. We know is itching to be a starter. So the challenge of him, you know, taking over the the net, heaven forbid, you know, uh, um, Shesty gets injured. You know, I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's uh, probably a smarter move just to keep Georgie. And uh, um, especially because, I don't know, you might be able to answer this question, but usually the goaltending market isn't that great. Uh, could be wrong there, but um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much all I have, Andy. Um, I don't know if, if you have anything else. Uh, no, not not really. Like, I just just like you said, I think Gior- there's you have with Georgiev. It's just I don't know if there's any options out there. You're, I don't know if they trust Keith Kincaid because if something happens to you know, say what you want about Georgiev, but there is at least times a history of a proven track record with him. And he's been Jekyll and Hyde this season. He had a bad stretch and then he had a good stretch. And now he, then he has, doesn't play for a while. So he comes in ice cold and has a bad game, but which is to be expected. But, you know, I think, I think they understand what the situation is. And, you know, he might be a little frustrated understanding what the situation is, that he probably could be a starter on other teams, but those guys usually don't make good backups. Right. right. <laughs> so, you know, you need the happy go. You need the intense, focused starter. Then you need the happy go lucky backup. Like, oh, you could play him if you feel like it'll be all right. And I'm not going to make every save, but I'll make a bunch. You know, that type of guy. Um, and Georgiev is not that. He's definitely a little bit more of a, you know, I don't know, a, a little bit more mentally charged and engaged. So, um, yeah, I mean, trade line uh, deadlines rapidly approaching. I mean. We didn't really touch on it this podcast, but it's laugh continues to be uh, a revelation, which is great. He's definitely looks so much more confident. Um, uh, God forbid they give him time on power play one, but that unit listen, I mean, again, you, we kind of spoke about it earlier, you know, we might like to see that, but is our power play good or is this power play one produce? Yeah. So are we going to question it? I guess not, but you know, maybe selfishly we want it um, just for, for laugh's sake in going into the future and the future of the team. But uh, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind of <laughs> kind of the Rangers motto this season. And even though it's not always the prettiest, it's like you're, you're getting the results. So, you know, maybe you could interest yourself in saying, well, if we do this, we might lose a bit in the interim, but then it'll be better for us in the long run. I don't think they're interested in that. They're like, we're getting a Vesna slash heart trophy caliber season from our goaltender. So no, we're going to exploit that and maybe play in a way that uh, maybe exploits that, you know, that it's not that you don't want to play that way in perpetuity, but for the, this season, it's getting the job done for us. So we're going to keep doing that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I hope they don't overlook the devils who are hot 
um, hot and cold at the same time. They're just they're either murking teams or they're getting embarrassed and comeback losses and, and the wheels are falling off. But that's a young team, right? With uh, with some good offensive skills. So yeah, um, hopefully the the more wily veteran. And I think this is that's a game where I think the Rangers can win it and by establishing a physical tempo that I think the Devils just can't match right now. So. Yeah, I think that that's Andy's key to the game for what it's worth. So, um, yeah, hopefully they don't embarrass themselves at home. And, uh, you know, uh, let's we'll see. Hopefully Hughes doesn't go off for too many points. Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.